The Bible is wonderfully liberating and quite dangerous. It can uh, give you the light of the world, it can reveal hope to you, it can set you free, but it can also set you on fire, and it can burn you and hurt you. This is what happens to, uh, when people misunderstand the Bible and misunderstand what the uh, Scripture is teaching in regard to how we live the, the righteous life in Christ. There's an example in Romans chapter 6 where it says we died to sin. And if you misunderstand that, and I did for nearly 20 years of my early Christian life, then you set yourself a goal because you say, well, I haven't died to sin. I still desire it and I still fail in it. And uh, so then when you get anxious and worried about that and you try harder, then you can very often fall into ang uh, religious neurosis, which I believe is at the core of addiction. You try to overcome something, and you try to kill your flesh. You try to die to it, as they say. Which they think, those people who misunderstand the Bible, means that you should have no more desire for sin. You should overcome all sin in the sense that the desire for it has been completely squashed, completely destroyed in you. The sinful nature has been killed finally by your victory over it, and uh, because you learned how to overcome every single uh, temptation, every single thought, uh, every uh, behavior, every wrong place to go to, every uh, inappropriate uh, cultural setting, all the wrong friends, you get rid of them, and so you become this super spiritual person that has transcended uh, humanity or human nature so that now uh, you live what shall we say, in a cave somewhere, or maybe in the hilltops or the mountains, isolated and almost like what uh, was in the early days um, called the Gnostic religion. This is what many Christians have done over the centuries. Uh, what they've tried to do is set up monasteries, places where they would not be tempted, places where they could discipline their flesh by uh, getting up at four in the morning or going to, uh, let's say, I think it was two in the morning for many people, going to bed at eight, getting up at two, reading, studying, praying for two hours, rituals, uh, very little food, perhaps uh, two meals a day, uh, not much talking among the monks or the nuns, and uh, this is how they would lead their holy life, so-called. But they were so holy that they weren't good for anything. They just, uh, in fact, there were so many uh, monasteries in the time of King Henry VIII that he got sick of it and, and uh, decided to ban all monasteries. The dissolution of the monasteries, he said it was. Uh, that, that was the, uh, uh, the uh, bill that was passed through Parliament. It was the decision to get rid of the monasteries because there were more people, more men in monasteries than there were in the working force of England at that time. Incredible, isn't it? And it's worse than that because you can truly become, as I mentioned earlier, an, uh, a neurotic in this way, full of guilt, full of fear, and full of shame. Well, we are talking about freedom from the powers of sin. And so Romans 6 tells us that we are now freed from 
the kingdom of of uh, our human nature in regard to sin. We died to sin. I was stumbling away there, sorry. We died to sin. Uh, Paul tells us that these four powers, wrath, sin, law, and death, we are liberated from them by Jesus Christ. He took He took the judgment of the world uh, upon himself so that we are no longer under God's wrath. We are reconciled to the heart of the Father. But now we are freed from uh, this thing about sin. The thing that you have to understand is that Paul is not talking about a goal to be reached, but a reality that has been presented and provided to us. Let me repeat that. Being dead to sin is not a goal to be reached by discipline, but is a reality that has been brought to us. How then are we dead to sin? We are dead to sin because Jesus Christ our substitute took humanity's judgment upon himself and died for the judgment of all mankind so that you and I by faith are no longer under the identity of sin or the judgment of sin. Now, when we understand it that way, that Christ is our substitute, that we have a new sense of being in him, we are no longer counted as sinners, nor counted as under the judgment of sin, then we have the freedom of faith to be able to disidentify with it. Now, I mentioned this yesterday, because many anonymous groups actually lead you to identify with sin or identify with your addiction. They encourage you to say, hello, my name's George and I'm an alcoholic, for instance. Now, I can understand why they do that. They want you to come out of denial and they want you to be honest with yourself and to admit that you have a problem and a struggle with alcohol. All well and good. But at the point that you identify yourself with the alcohol problem by saying, hello, I'm George and I'm an alcoholic, you have reinforced the alcohol struggle in your human nature. Scripture is different because of Jesus Christ. We are now freed from that identity. Now, this is not denial. Some people have thought that when we say that we are no longer identified as sinners, we are going back into denial. Not at all. No, we admit we have, let's say, if you did have, do have an alcohol problem, you admit that you have an alcohol problem, or you have a pornography problem, or you have a uh, drug problem, or, or, or a gambling problem, or food addiction problem. But you do not identify with it. Why is this important? Because gradually faith learns to know who you are in Jesus Christ. And thus, you see, when the temptation comes, you can say, Father in heaven, I am dead to this sin. And at first, your mind goes into a cacophony of screams and says, no, this I can't possibly say that because I'm very much alive to sin. I, I'm, I'm fooling myself. But that is not what you mean when you say you are dead to sin. It means, Father in heaven, I give you thanks that I am no longer 
under the judgment of sin, because I died in Jesus Christ. I was counted as dead, that is, in Christ's death. And I am no longer identified as a sinner because Christ took that identity for all humanity at the cross. Now, at first, as I say, this seems like madness. It seems that Christians are in a state of denial. But it is the greatest freedom, as you learn uh, and as you exercise it, that you can know. Let's say temptation is coming to you. Let's say you are roused by your favorite drug of choice and you want to do this thing and you want to deny, or rather you want to switch off God and ignore him for a day or two or an hour or two so you can do your thing. But then you say, Father, I thank you that I'm no, long, I'm no longer identified in this temptation no longer identified as part of this sin. That's not me anymore. That's not the true me. And again, as I say, it sounds like denial. But when you know that's not the true me, then you can ask yourself, or rather not ask yourself, but tell yourself, then I know who the true me is. Who is the true me? The true me is counted as innocent in Jesus Christ, counted as resurrected in him, counted as no longer under condemnation, counted as reconciled to the heart of God. Now, when you know these things, notice something. You are talking to God. I mentioned this yesterday, but I have to mention more of it. When I teach these things, I realize as I, when I finished the broadcast, there's more to say, and I need to get it right. I need to uh, con convey it to you properly. But you are talking to God. Now, what do you know that that's a miracle? People do not naturally talk to God. They block him out. They switch him off. But what happens when you switch God off? Well, you switch yourself off. Well, how do I know that? Because you were made in the image of God. Mankind was made for open, wonderful, sweet, beautiful, strengthening, encouraging fellowship with God. Mankind was made for that. And when human beings block or rather suppress God or refuse to talk to him or do not talk to him, they are suppressing God and they are blocking him. And why do they do that? Well, because we've all sinned. And when we sin, we feel guilt and shame and fear. And that causes us to think that God no longer loves us or God hates us or God is going to punish us forever. And so we switch God off because we cannot stand the spiritual and emotional pain that brings about. And I've tell, told you before, and I say it again today, that is the core of addiction. Your addiction is not the, addiction, the, the, the thing itself, like drugs or alcohol or food issues or pornography. Your addiction is a state of mind in which you have become isolated in your soul so that you've lost conversation with God. And that, you know what happens then? You lose conversation with yourself. Because, you see, you have lost your center. But now, you can talk back to God. Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that I'm no longer counted a sinner. But you say, Colin, some, when I'm in the midst of temptation or the midst of desire to, uh, and arousal, I have no desire to talk to God. 
Then you talk to God and say, I have no desire, Lord, to talk to you. Father in heaven, I don't want you right now. I want to block you. I want to shut you out. And I thank you that that is not the true me, but that is the me that was crucified with Christ, counted as so at the cross. Do you see? There is wonderful wisdom and truth in this reality of knowing that we are no longer helpless because we can tell God, Father, I feel helpless. I am helpless. I don't want to talk to you. And I thank you that that's not the true me. But I am alive in Christ. So you see, helplessness is not about I can't say no. Helplessness is about I can't talk to God. And helplessness is about telling God I can't talk to him. And then you're talking to him. Thank you for listening today. This is Colin Cook, and you just were listening to How It Happens, a broadcast on the good news of the gospel. This program has been going for 25 years now, and it's a good little slice of 15 minutes, 14 minutes actually, to help you to focus your faith on Jesus Christ and what Christ is for you and who Christ is for you and what he has done to bring you into the heart of the Father. If you would like to help to keep the program on the air, it would be so much appreciated. So please send your donations to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or send your donation to FaithQuest, radio.com online at faithquestradio.com and I want to thank you for sending your donations they all help large or small and your little notes as well I'll see you next time cheerio and God bless